0: Well, let me first say a kind of an odd phrase. it's 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 hard to say happy Memorial Day, isn't it? You know, this isn't a day for our veterans. It's not for a day for those who are currently serving. It's for those who didn't make it home. And that's why it's bittersweet. Let me ask you this, if you have anybody in your family, even family extended, that you that fell during their time in the military, would you stand? Are you here? Did you have anybody in your family that you know of? We've got a couple here. Uh, this, this is your, your sacrifice, your family sacrifice for saying goodbye prematurely to a loved one is very, very difficult. Let's pray over these two. Father in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for Curtis and Melanie. And we thank you for their family's sacrifice, that their loved one paid the ultimate price for our freedoms. And the freedom that we enjoy the most to do what we're doing right now, to gather and to worship the holy name of Jesus, to tell you we think you're great, Father, and just thank you so much for these families who have paid so much. Bless them this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me also say that I, I just want everybody to feel welcome. Those of you who are online and those of you in the house, Whatever brought you here, or however you're tuned in, you're welcome here. Now, unfortunately, at times, all of us can miss the true value of the Bible. Uh, a rare book collector met a guy who said that he had just thrown out a Bible that had been packed away in his family for generations. He said somebody named Guten something had printed on it. <laughs> And the book collector gasped and said, not Gutenberg. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, that's it. The collector said, ah, you just threw away the most famous book ever printed. One copy recently sold at an auction for over $4 million. And the guy on move said, ah, my copy wouldn't have brought a dime. Some guy named Martin Luther scribbled all over it. (laughs) Unfortunately for some of us, The value of the Bible is missed. It's just missed. I grew up singing about the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Then when I got a little bit older, we graduated up to Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. And then we sang How shall the young secure their hearts and guard their lives from sin? Thy word the choicest rules imparts to keep the conscience clean. Thy word is everlasting truth. How pure is every page. That holy book shall guide our youth and well support our age. I mean, I am so thankful to my parents and my local church and the emphasis that they placed on the importance of the Bible in our life. Psalm 119, 147. I have put my hope in your word. Amen. Now, it's an emphasis that you're going to find in Kid City. You're going to find in the youth groups. You're going to find in our women's and men's ministry. You're going to find in our small groups. It's all through this. We believe that the Bible is God's word, that it's accurate and authoritative and applicable to our everyday lives. There. There was an ancient 8th century B.C. prophecy that I'm going to read to you that should make us shudder. Look at this. This is from Amos speaking God's words. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, But a famine of hearing the words of the Lord, people will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Now, there are different kinds of famine, but this, this that Amos is describing, that's the worst. Can you imagine hungering and thirsting for a message from God and not a word to be found? Oh, man. You remember our text for this series that Libby reminded us of. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul was reminding Timothy to stay ever close to this empowering God-breathed word because he said terrible days were coming. In fact, this is later on in that third chapter, but to start this chapter off, when he's, he's given the answer, I'm giving you the answer with saying all scripture is God-breathed, but he started the chapter off, look at verse one. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So Paul was wanting Timothy and the followers of Jesus to avoid the coming famine. Some people will treat the Bible like a famine... (laughs) They won't crack it open. And so he actually was saying, look at verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The enemies of God have targeted your scriptures have targeted the Bible. They want to make a big to-do out of textual errors and manuscript discrepancies. So in this last sermon on this series, let's just jump right into that area. Now, are there some textual difficulties and manuscript irregularities? Yes. Yes, there's no argument about that. We're not going to blow smoke here. We're just going to say, yeah, there are some difficulties. In fact, the Bible Society of South Africa reported a funny story about an early translation draft of the Bible into Southern Sotho, S-O-T-H-O, which is one of the South African dialects. The typesetter typed Jwala, J-W-A-L-A, instead of Jwalo, J-W-A-L-O. Jwalo means so, Jwala means beer. So the text read, instead of, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and it was so, it read, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and it was beer. You know, there was a lot of South Africans that said, I like this Bible. <laughs> it's a good book. All right. The integrity surrounding the, the reliability of these ancient manuscripts mainly boils down to two areas. One is the copies' date, How close is it to the original writing? That's one. And the other is, of the copies that we have, how close are they to one another? The copies that we have, do they reflect the same message? Now, one of the best ancient writings that we have to compare with the Bible, there's not many out there, as you might imagine. These ancient manuscripts, they're few and far between. So if we can find one that's relatively from the same time, With the same kind of manuscript, the same kind of copies, that kind of gives us a little something to build on. Well, one of the best from the time period that correlates with the Bible would be Homer's Iliad. We have 643 copies of the Iliad in existence today. The oldest copy was 500 years after Homer wrote it originally, which they have determined was between 725 BC and 625 BC. So that's when it's written, but then you go up 500 years, almost to the turn of the millennia, then you have our oldest copy. Now, of these 643 copies of the Iliad, when you compare them to each other, there is only a 5% variation in those copies. Most of these variations do not affect the meaning of the Iliad significantly. So as far as ancient writings are concerned, this is very well preserved. All right, let's compare that to the New Testament. What, do we, what, are, we, what are we looking at here? Well, instead of 643 different copies, to date, we have 24,640, 633 copies of the New Testament, or in part. Now, that alone should just make everybody go, ancient document, are you serious? Yeah, over 24,000. And when we take all of those copies and compare them, guess how much variance there is in the text? 0.5%. Half of 1%. Textual variants with absolutely no significant change in textual meaning. You know what happens? If I did this, if I wrote a love letter to Matilda and I just made it a page long, and I put it up on the screen, and I said, okay, everybody, I got you a sheet of paper and a pencil. You guys just write down a copy this letter. After we handed all of those in, however many's gathered here and we handed them in, would there be any textual variants? Yeah, some of you would not be careful about what words you were putting up there, and some of you would misspell what I spelled correctly. And some of you would just mess up and you'd leave off a line. There'd be some variance. But the overall message would probably be there. It's just that you know how much variance there is in the New Testament. Somebody switched two letters in a word. Somebody left out an article, the. There's no significant change at all from the originals. Now, let me just throw in the Old Testament here just as a little caveat, we have some 25,000 sites located in biblical lands that show some connection to the Old Testament. There is no other ancient document that is even close to that. Okay, back to the New Testament. This is a kicker about reliability, integrity. Of the 24,000 plus copies that we have, some of these copies actually date to within 25 years of the original. Twenty five? So you might be thinking, well, where's the original? Well guys, I still think we I still think we might find it. The Dead Sea Scrolls, they were only found a little over fifty years ago. Those, well, that was such a treasure. But you know, maybe God won't want us to find it. You know why? You remember when he had Moses fashion that bronze snake on the pole for the people to look at? So that they would be healed from the snake bite you know what happened to that it carried along in the generations of the israelites for years and years and years and human nature took over and guess what they started during, doing during the prophet's reign they started worshiping the bronze snake so you know what god told them to do destroy it they forgot to use that as a means of seeing me so i'll just get rid of it so they got rid of it i wonder if we would do that with the original copy It's the gospel of John and written in his own head. Would we worship that? I don't think we would. You wouldn't. I'd love it. Wouldn't it be wonderful? But for whatever reason, God has not let us see an original one of the letters. And in spite of our oldest manuscript copies to date, original writing, and fantastic textual accuracy from copy to copy, we still find the Bible under constant attack. Oh, you might find this interesting. In 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 29, there's a reference to a king of Assyria named tiglath pileser Some of you might recognize that name. Now, the Bible, in fact, we just read of tiglath pileser this past week in our Bible reading. Those of us who are in that part, you may remember his name. He conquered the Israelites of the northern kingdom and took them away into captivity. Now, as, a, as late as just 150 years ago, scholars challenging the accuracy of the Bible stated emphatically that no Assyrian king named Tiglath-Pileser ever existed. The Bible is just part myth. It's just making this stuff up. But in 1873, archaeologists excavated Tiglath, Peliaser's capital city, and found his name pressed into clay tablets. Do you know there's a guy that's kind of considered the father of archaeology? You know what he said about archaeological finds? They have never found one thing that contradicted Scripture. Never. Never. Tiglath Peleaser's capital city. Now, you can read of more findings like this in James Pritchard's book, The Ancient Near Eastern Texts Relating to the Old Testament, but there's one that's just been done. This is Eric Metaxas' Atheism Dead, and it's got a whole, second on, a whole section on archaeological finds. You'll want to add this to your personal library. It's a good read. It's a good, good read. They are discovering, on average, archaeological finds one a month right now, one a month that back up scriptural historical markings. <laughs> it should be main news everywhere, but why, why are we not hearing about it? Because there's a war on the scriptures. That's not what people want. Because if, this, if the Bible is true, then that means I've got I to read it. i got to figure out what it's talking about. So, Another example of scholarship opposed to biblical accuracy was stated by scholars who said that Moses couldn't have written the first five books because they thought that writing had not been invented in his day. But faulty conclusions have been continually refuted by archaeological discoveries unearthing literally thousands of tablets and inscriptions written hundreds of years before Moses and even Abraham. In fact, we know of to date, and I'm being very conservative on this, we know of at least six different written languages before the Mosaic period. What's, what's the point in all this? Do you think this is going to convert some people? Well, probably not. Argumentation generally doesn't work. The thing that makes a difference is when this self-disclosing God actually discloses himself. And you realize, oh, my word, the creator can be known. I mean, uh, that's generally what does it. So why, why, why this series? Why are we doing all this? I guess I just want you to know that people, the more people try to discredit the Bible, the more evidence just resurfaces, explaining its truthfulness. So no Christian need ever fear standing on the bible challenges will continue to come arguments will seem unanswerable those who stand on the bible will be mocked and ridiculed and the wise of this world will call us foolish but those of us who stand on scripture will be held strong by jesus christ himself and we will prevail we will now I've saved to right now in this series what I believe to be the most convincing evidence of the accuracy and the authority of the Bible. And that is this it's transformative power. It literally changes people, it changes their life direction, it changes their mentality, it changes their look. First, an example from history, and then something more personal. The English ship was called Bounty, commanded by Lieutenant Commander, what was his name, William Bly, William Bly. The Bounty set sail to the South Pacific in 1787. Many of those who signed on in that crew considered the voyage to be a trip to paradise. Bly appointed a young friend, Fletcher Christian, to the post of second in command The bounty stayed in Tahiti for six months and led by happy-go-lucky Fletcher Christian, let's just say they enjoyed themselves to the full, shall we? And because of this, on April 28, 1789, Fletcher Christian staged the most famous mutiny in history. Mutiny on the bounty. And he and his mutineers set Bly and his supporters adrift in an overloaded lifeboat. The mutineers aboard the bounty immediately began quarreling about what to do next. Well, Fletcher returned to Tahiti, where he ended up leaving some of his mutineers. He kidnapped some of the women, took some of the slaves, and traveled with the remaining crew a thousand miles to the uninhabited Pitcairn Island. And there, this little group completely unraveled. They distilled whiskey from a native plant. Drunkenness, disease, and murder took the lives of every man except one, John Adams, a.k.a. Alexander Smith. Smith found himself on the island with only women and children, but then something happened. Smith found a Bible on the bounty. And as he read it, its message began to grab his heart and he began sharing those truths with his little community. And soon the scriptures would be taught and obeyed throughout everyone. The message of Christ so transformed their lives that 20 years later, in 1808, when the ship Topaz landed on their island, they discovered a happy society of Christians living in prosperity and peace, free from crime, free from disease, free from murder, and free from mutiny, Years later, this Bible from the bounty fell into the hands of a visiting whaler who brought it to America. But in 1950, it was returned to the island and it now resides on display in the church in Pitcairn as monument to its transforming power. Now, this true story speaks of a convincing proof of the Bible's accuracy and authority more than anything else. And I love stories like this. They run by the millions. But that's not why it's accurate for me. Guys, I don't know how. To no fault of my parents or the church that I grew up in, somehow, when I was in junior high and high school, I got this idea that my right standing with God was dependent completely on me. I think it was based just in pride because I thought that I could live a better life. But the but the truth is I had tons of sin. I just had sin that wasn't as visible. So I lived my life on these scales, scales on the light and scales on the dark. And it wasn't and when I would make many, many mistakes over here, I would feel like I had to do something on the right side. To even up that scale. And my prayer was that when Jesus would come back, my, my light side of the scales would be tipping a little bit heavier than the dark side, but it never, it never happened that way. And when you live like that, you know what? There's a definition to a life lived like that. Miserable. That was it. Cause I knew, I knew there was no way I could make myself right enough with this holy God. And I don't know how to explain it, but somehow in all of my church going and Bible studying and in youth grouping and all that stuff as a kid, I had never read Psalm 103. Or if I did, it just never penetrated. And it wasn't until my freshman year in college, a guy introduced this idea of grace to me. And God just started bombarding me with more and more truth about it. And it was my freshman year, for the first time, I felt like I read Psalm 103. Look at this the Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger abounding in love he will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. And I was an 18-year-old kid, and I read that, I, thought, I don't even know Him. I I didn't know He was even like this, but it slowly began to start. Penetrating, and you know what? God's red lettered love, it found me. Has it found you? God, to think that we would not make the reading of your word a priority is just shameful. That we would not glean from its fantastic truth it is embarrassing. Thank you for preserving this ancient document that truly transforms. And let us be a people moving forward that take advantage of every opportunity to learn of it and grow from it and be changed. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's just sit down through this song, and then I have one more quick word.